Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Elhamdülillahi Rabbil alemin. Ve salatu ve selamu ala şerfil enbiyi vel mursalin Muhammed ve Resulullah sallallahu aleyhi ve aleyhi ve sellem. Tesliman kathiran kathira. Fama ba'du. My brothers and sisters, we, if you look at this, the seerah of Rasulullah sallallahu one of the things that strikes, uh, as I have mentioned many times before, is the similarity between that culture, between those times, which is 7th century Makkah and later Medina, and our times today, which is 21st century world. And in that, there is great khair, there is great baraka, there is great benefit, because we have there a model which worked which worked so phenomenally well that it made people who were literally of no account at that time, nobody gave any, uh, you know, no, nobody gave any time of the day or nobody gave any importance whatsoever uh, to the Arabs of the Hejaz. They were literally nobody. Nobody cared about them. Nobody even wanted to rule them. So the two big empires was the Persian Empire, which was in the south of that in Yemen and the Roman Empire which was in the north in uh, in Sham but they were not interested in ruling this piece of the world because they said this is worth nothing. So it took those people who were despised by the world and in one generation it converted them into leaders of the world and that was the the, the, the model that Rasulullah brought. That was the only change which happened. It didn't happen because of some you know, technological advantage or technological discovery or anything like that. Now what did they do? If you look at the Sahaba and you say, what is it that they did? What changes came about in their lives? So the first thing to understand is as far as cultures were concerned, the Arabs of the Hejaz where Rasulullah came, they were not living in a vacuum. They were also part of the greater culture of the time. Uh, and there were, there were three major cultures which were playing a role. One was the Persian culture, which was a uh, you know, couple of millennia old, couple of thousand year old culture. It was a great civilization going back centuries before any of this. And the other one was the Roman Empire. Uh, which was, which went back at least 500 years before, because uh, 7th century you started from the 1st century, so we're looking about 6 to 6 to 700 years before. So here were two cultures which were almost a thousand years older than this, and they had an enormous influence in terms of all sorts of things, values, ethics, morals, whatnot, whatnot. And the third one was their local tribal Arab culture which was there. Now, if you see what the Sahaba did when they accepted Islam, was one of the things they did was that they spent a lot of time with the Prophet ﷺ, with Rasulullah As a result of which they imbibed the culture, the values, the ethics, the morals of Islam. So they let go whatever else they had been used to and they changed their culture to a culture of Islam. Now, this is not only the outward physical, uh, you know, manifestation of it in, uh, because that didn't really change. The, the, 
they dressed the way they used to dress and so on. That didn't change. But it was more in the context of how did they deal with each other, their ma'amilat, their dealing with each other, uh, their ethics, their their manners. These things changed and they changed because they collected with like-minded people. So they changed their group of friends, they changed their circle of friends. And that is very, very important. Today, if you go to the universities here, you see what is the role of the MSAs. This is one of the, to me, this is the uh, biggest comp, the biggest uh, contribution of the MSAs, the Muslim Student Association in the universities in America, which is that it gives you the opportunity, gives the Muslim students an opportunity of creating a, a unique footprint, a unique culture within the greater culture of the university. So it, it protects them from all kinds of uh, external negative influences and, and gives them a positive influence. And this is being done in the name of Allah for the sake of Islam. So alhamdulillah, this is a very good activity. And, and, but again, you see the same thing. You see, for example, Muslim students are running away from that. But they don't want to come to MSA function. They do not want to be associated with MSA. Why? Uh, we need to ask them, what, what is the problem? But there is some problem. That's why they, they don't want to do that. That's one thing. Second thing that the Sahaba did was that they... Uh, they changed their focus with regard to both their earning and their spending. Right? Uh, they, because now Islam came with a set of rules and said this is permissible, that is not permissible. So they stuck to what was permissible in Islam. And they did not do what was not permissible in Islam. Then they did that very rigidly. I mean, there is no... Uh, there was no compromise in that. That halal and haram, what they ate, what they drank, what they, uh, how they dealt with people, business, and so on and so forth. That was according strictly according to Islamic principles. There is no compromise in that. And then, as we see, that didn't affect their businesses and so on negatively. On the other hand, it, other hand, it affected them positively, and uh, they did extremely well with regard to their economic standing also. Right? So these two uh, major things that they did, which set them apart and which gave them this differentiated uniqueness. Now that is the secret of success in any society, which is that you stand out on the basis of your principles and you don't change it no matter what's happening in the society because you believe in what you are doing, you believe it is correct and you are confident about it. Now, the usual example I give uh, is to uh, is, is, is people, I mean, all the people here, are, we are from either from the Middle East or from the uh, Indian subcontinent. Uh, just take our dress, for example. Right? The vast majority of people dress in what is now, or within quotes, Western clothes. So we wear trousers and we wear shirts or some combination of that. Why? If you go back in history, less than 100 years ago, we did not dress like this. right? We dressed in long robes and we dressed in turbans and we did all that. Now, we, we don't do that anymore. And this is nothing to do with Muslims and non-Muslims. I mean, the, the Hindus, how did they dress in India? They dressed in long robes and turbans. Take the pictures of all the Maharajas. They all look like, uh, you know, the uh, Sheikh Al-Haram. If, if, if you look at them, they've got big beards, they've got big turbans. And they're all Hindus. 
because people follow the they follow the culture of the rulers they dress like that because that's how the moguls dressed that's how the the, the emperors dressed turbans and long robes but when the british came and that is the british influence across the world in in africa as well as in the indian subcontinent uh, dress changed now it changed for two reasons one reason it changed was because this was the dress of the rulers and the rulers stuck to their dress and secondly that this was more convenient i mean if you think about it all these long robes and all are nice but if you have to run somewhere if you have to do some physical work if you have to you know they, they are a complicated thing right you can't do it and especially if you are working near machinery they are lethal because this thing gets caught in the machine you are dead so whereas the the western clothing was more comfortable it was more functional it was you know so people converted to that now there was there's no force involved i mean it's, there was the british never passed a law to say that unless you dress uh, in a pair of trousers you will be go to jail no no one there was no force it's just the force of uh imitation and and uh, emulation and this is why it is so important to stick to your culture and do that confidently not not uh, uh, not be apologetic about that stick to your culture know the reason why you are doing that and see what is beneficial about it which you can project to the world and say here is a here is a way of life which is beneficial for you and which will help you to succeed and that is i believe you know a, 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 a key part of our role especially when we are living here in the west but i think now the west is everywhere is is to project through our way of life not lectures and khutbas way of life the way we deal we live in our homes the way we live in our shops the way we live in our businesses the way we drive a car on the road everywhere we project our self in terms of our culture and values in a way which is attractive to the world and we do that confidently not arrogantly confidently and we do that consistently we don't go up and down wish wash consistently and confidently then inshallah you will find people will accept that we will they will adopt it and even if they don't become muslim it doesn't matter if they don't become muslim at least their their attitude and their opinion of islam and muslims will change positively inshallah and that's something that i want to leave with you ربنا ظلمنا انفسنا ولم تغفر لنا وترحمنا لنكن من الخاسرين ربنا آتنا في الدنيا حسنة وفي الآخرة حسنة وقنا عذاب النار وصلى الله على نبينا الكريم وعلى اله وصحبه اجمعين برحمتك يا رب العالمين السلام عليكم ورحمه الله وبركاته